Let us turn to him. Lord, we thank you that you created us, that you formed us, and you called us your own. And Lord, you made us for your glory. And Father, we thank you, God, that you created us, Lord, to worship you. And so, Father, Lord, we desire that to be our lifestyle. God, not just an act, Lord, not just a ceremony, but be our lifestyle. That, Lord, that we truly will have our hearts and our hands lifted up to you, God, every day. That we will deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Father, as we draw closer to you, Lord, we ask that you speak right now through your word to us, your servants, for we are listening. And, Father, our prayer is that after all is said and done, we will leave this place, say, didn't the word burn within us as he went through from the old to the new, speaking about our Lord. Father, have your way in this place is our prayer. Amen. If you can join me in the gospel according to John, the first chapter, as we are celebrating this Advent season, Dealing with the theme, if you will, in Christ, we trust. I want to make sure that as we celebrate Advent, we don't forget about Christ. Uh, we make sure we get our ads for Black Friday. Make sure we have our Christmas list done. Ask for everything that we want, but we forget to make room for Christ. It seems that he's always an afterthought. After I put the tree up, then I think about Christ. After I put my lights up on my house, then I think about Christ. Or after I've done everything throughout the day and then I'm about to say my grace, I think about Christ. And then I go back to my regular days till it's about time for me to lay myself to sleep. It's too often at times that we don't truly, truly see that Christ is involved in everything. Looking in the gospel according to John, going to just read verse 14 in your hearing, but I'm going to deal with verses 1 through 5. So if you have your Bible there, say, I got it. If you're not there, say, hold on. I'll hold on so we can travel there together. As we are getting there, if you can help me announce this to your neighbor saying, he is true. If you could say that to your other neighbor and look at them with a smile and be more emphatic than the last time to say, he is true. He is true. Uh, y'all, I said a little bit more emphatic. Try to say with a little more attitude the next time. Say, he is true. He is true. All right. There we go. There we go. Amen. Everybody there? If you're there, say, let's go. Reading from the New Living Translation, our word of God says, so the word became human. And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. If I read from the New American Standard, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Tell your neighbor, he is true. As we're looking at 
this word that became flesh, that is unfailing in love and faithful or full of grace and truth. When you look up of something of being true, it means that it has evidence that is factual or it is a reality and it is faithful or it is true. Our word, our Lord, the son of God, tell your neighbor, he is true. He is factual. He is a reality. He is faithful. He is loyal. All I'm trying to say, he is true. You see, we put trust in so much of things that are not trustworthy that we ought to put trust in the one who is true. We are in this time of this Christmas season going to celebrate and gather around and open up gifts. But through all that process, we might forget the true gift. The gift that is never stale. It's never old. Never outdated. Never need to be updated. Never need to have a warranty on it. Never has to be renewed. It is the Son of God who is still the same yesterday and will be tomorrow because he's the Alpha and the Omega. I'm just trying to tell you the word is true. How do we know he was true? Well, he was there from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Do y'all see that? It's showing us here that if the Word was there in the beginning, just as God introduced himself to the Jews in Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, it suggests to us that the Word is equal with God. Now, to us who confess Christ, that's nothing mind-blowing. That's nothing that shakes our reality. But I just want to let you know there's some people out there that don't believe that the Word is God. They will tell you that Jesus was just not another prophet. Uh, They will tell you he was just another man. But yet, when I look in my Bible, I read that he was a man but wasn't just a man. He was fully God and fully man. They said they beheld his glory and he was full of love and truth. Y'all see that? I'm just telling you, he's true. And so we see that this word, when you look at it, the logos, the word, like how, how can Jesus and the word be the same? When you look at the many titles of Jesus, uh, uh, we don't hear a whole bunch about the word. We, we get excited about the mighty counselor, the prince of peace, the horn of salvation, the line of the tribe of Judah, the bright and the morning star, the lily in the valley. But yet, I just want to spend a little bit of time on the word. The word was with God and the word was God. To help us out with this verbiage here is pointing out that before the heavens and the earth was the word. Just as in Genesis, it says in the beginning was God in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This gospel of John is pointing out before you get to Genesis and God created the heaven. and the earth. I just want you to know that there was something before that. It was the word. That means the word was there while the earth was formless and absence and without void. The word was there. 
Which means that Jesus was not some new manifestation that came up down the line, but Jesus has always been there. That means he's omnipresent. And so when you see the, the, who the word is and the power of the word, just look in Genesis. In Genesis, the word was used, right? Let there be light. And there was light. But not till you get to the fourth day do you have the separation of stars. So let there be light for at night and then light for the day. I want you to highlight this and realize this, that it's pointing out that the sun and the moon were deities at that time when God was explaining to them how he created the heaven and earth. And he made a point to not to say the sun and the moon, just to say he made a greater light and a lesser light. Because he is the light. Which suggests that when God made light on heaven and earth at his own behest, he would say, let there be light. And when he says time for dark, he said, let there not be light. But then at the fourth day, he decided, well, I will make some celestial things in the sky so that when night comes, you'll have a little bit of light. Let me blow your mind for a moment. Because it blows me every time I think about it. As a child, I remember I would not see the moon till at night. But do you not know the moon is still up there in the sky during the day? But since the sun is so bright, everything that shines in the dark cannot be seen. So it blew my mind to realize that God's light is so great. He got to turn it down. It is so great. He had to dim it just a little bit. Aren't you glad that the word is so powerful that it can be the light of me? So we see here the word is not just with God. The word is the creator. When Elohim said, and let us make man after our own image, that was the word. The, the word was there in the beginning, so the word knew what he was doing from the beginning and making us. And so the word is the creator of all things. And nothing came into being that was not through him. And anything that is not was not made because he did not make it. All I'm just trying to say, if the word said it, it was done. We, we, we say it in our urban vernacular, tell somebody saying word up. Or that's my word. Or say word. Meaning something is true, something has come fruition, something I agree on. But when the word speaks, things change. The word makes things into being. Colossians says, for him, all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things Hold together. Hebrews goes on to say, by his word, everything is held together. Tell your neighbor, I'm being held together by the word. Some of y'all need to tell your neighbor, I want to be held together by the word. Because when the word holds you together, that's his word. Guess what? You'll stay together. The word does not lose its power because the word is all powerful. 
And so if the word holds all things together, that's why that centurion soldier was able to say to Jesus, just speak the word and my servant shall be here. Jesus was shot and looked around and says, never have I seen such a faith. Is your faith that way that you could just simply say, God, to speak your word? Because we know his word has spoken, but are we obeying? The creator of all things. Nothing came into being without Christ. And how much more if he created his, this creation, will he save his creation? How much more if he created his creation, he will save his creation. The things that you work hardest for are the things you cherish the most. That, that, that's, why, that's why a child can't appreciate a dollar because they didn't earn it. That's why my mom always told me when she gave me money, it was like it was burning a hole in my pocket. I didn't know what she meant. I go, what are you talking about? I'm not on fire. I, I mean, I, I was taking the stuff literally. She just said, you just can't wait to spend it. And I started thinking, say, yeah, you're right. Can I go to the toy store? Because I didn't work for that dollar bill. She gave it to me because I washed some dishes. Come on, somebody. And so I want to go out and buy something. Look, God created the heavens and the earth for us. And yet he has charge us to take care of it, but we didn't create it. So that's why sometimes it's hard for us to care about. We see stuff on the ground, we walk on over. We don't pick up all the litter we see. I said all the litter. That's what I'm saying, all. Because we got to look at it that only when it's convenient we do some things. And then sometimes we get convic convic convicted and then we join some, some place and we volunteer and we serve and we say, I want to give back. Because that's when we realize that God has called me to not just be a slouch and just live here like I have done something, but to give back to those that I can help. The creator realized that my creation was in trouble. They couldn't help themselves. They're lost in a dark world. The ones that I created, without me, there would be none of them. And without me, there will be no more. So therefore, let me step in and help them out. Y'all see that? Because in him was life. And life was the light of men. And the light of men shined in this dark world. And look what it said. That the darkness could not understand it or overtake it or comprehend it. Can I spend some time there? It's pointing out that Jesus, the light of men, is opposing to the darkness. Light suggests what is good, what is righteous, what is holy. Dark suggests what is evil, what is sin, what is wicked. In other words, what is opposite of the light. The light shines in darkness. Look at the verbiage there. It's pointing out that the light is still shining. It means that it is still burning in the midst of darkness. It means that it has not been extinguished but it keeps on burning. What does that mean? Well, they understood that before the tabernacle, there has to be a lamp that is always burning at night. 
it is not to be put out, but to continue to burn, to represent the flame of God. What do you mean the flame of God? Well, God led them by fire by night and by cloud by day, which suggests that God is with them. And if God was with them, who could stand against them? Do y'all see where I'm going here? So for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It was foretold some generations ago that a virgin will be with child and they will call him Emmanuel. You look in Matthew, it tells that this prophecy was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus from the Virgin Mary and they called him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And if God is with us, I have some light in this dark world. And if I have some light in this dark world, that means I have some direction. You, you understand that those who, who, before we had our modern transportation such as cars, we, and our GPS or OnStar and our telephones with our map systems we could download, people had to use the sun and the stars for their direction. So during the day, they knew by the sun their directions, and at night, they knew by the stars their direction. What I'm trying to point out, they knew which way to go by the light. So if they had no light, they had no direction. But if they had light, they had the direction. But I'm trying to point out not just the sun, nor the moon, nor the stars, but the light. Stepped in the scene to give us the directions of our life. So that no matter what days come before us, we clearly know which way to go. Jesus says, I am the light. Jesus said, I am the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you see here, he's bringing it home that the word is not just the word, but the word is the light. The word is life. And therefore, the life-breathing spirit that gave life to everything also wants to give you life eternally. So the the word became flesh. So that those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We see here that this light is pointing out that this dark world, the man of sin, this man is full of sin and full of darkness and full of evil, that even the evil could not overcome the light. In John 12, chapter verse 35, the word of God says, for a little while longer, light is among you. Walk while you have the light. So that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. Y'all see that? In darkness, you have no direction. You do not know where you're going. Jesus used the same word here to, uh, to overtake as is the same word that's translated from the Greek that has either comprehend or understand or overtake. What is pointing out here that the darkness, no matter how great it think it is, it cannot put out the light. The darkness, how intelligent it thinks it is, it does not understand the light. But I want to point out to you that if you know the light, you can understand the light, and you can comprehend the light, that you can overtake the darkness. 
Because remember how the sun has to go down in order for the moon and the stars to shine? Light, even a portion of light, is enough to dispel darkness. I want you to grab this here. The moon does not give out light. It reflects light. The sun is what creates light. But the moon can reflect enough light that it shines and scatters darkness. Y'all catch that? You see, the, the moon does not create its own light. The sun does. And the sun's light bounces off the moon, off the stars, and gives us light. What I'm trying to point out that Jesus, who is the light, all we got to do is be the star. And he will bounce off of us into this world and give us some direction of which way to go. Y'all don't hear me. That means as you look to your left, to your right, you should be looking at some star. And these stars should be giving you some direction on which way to go. Because if they dark and they're out, that means they're telling you which way not to go. But if they're shining bright, they're letting you know how you should love one another. How you should be merciful towards one another. How you should forgive one another. But when they're out, they tell you how you should hate somebody. How you should talk about somebody. Stand them behind their back. Steal from them. Cheat from them. But when they're shining, they'll point to you, to the one who's faithful, who is true. See, the light has come into this world. But the men love the darkness. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light. They fear that these will be exposed. But John 3, 21 says, but he who practices the truth comes to the light. So that his deeds may be manifest as have been enrolled in God. Y'all see that? That if you come to the light, your deeds will be manifest, which means you'll shine. You'll reflect the light that somebody will see the good works that you do. Think about it for a moment, how we gaze at the stars. People buy big old telescopes just to look up in the sky to see stars. Where somebody should do the same for you, that they should just want to come close to you, look at you. And say, what makes you shine like the way you shine? Well, you, it shouldn't take you a whole hour to answer. All you got to say is it's just because of the sun. The sun surely shines in my life. As the song said, God has smiled on me. The sun sure enough shined on me. Because we realize that we were going down the wrong road. But the light shined on that path and let us see the end. And we knew we did not want to go down that road. So the light stepped in to be the light of men. To give us direction. I read this story about a study on two mice. They dropped one in a bottle of water, in a bucket of water, or some kind of container of water. And they dropped another one in a container of water. One was in pitch dark. One was in a place of darkness, but yet a little bit of light came in. The one that was dropped in darkness died within like 15 minutes. But the one that had a beacon of light was swimming was swimming for almost a day. 
Why was that mouse swimming? It saw some hope. The hope it saw was there must be some light somewhere. And since I see the light, I might be able to get out of this dark situation. And the darkness has overcome me, but I can still see the light. And since he could still see the light, he did not give up, nor did he not give out till his body fell out. Y'all don't hear me. Do you see the light? Well, if you see the light, you ought not to give up nor give out till your body fall out. What I'm saying here is that not till they roll you down this aisle <laughs> and lay you in that casket, you should still swim for Jesus, still run for Jesus, still fight for Jesus, pressing on towards the light, that beautiful light, that marvelous light, that's the kind of glory that's shining with me. Why is that? Because he came and dwelled among us. That means he wants to live with us. And since he wants to live with us, we are now able, just like John, to see his glory. We may not be able to see his glory as John saw his resurrected body there, sat down, ate with them, had breakfast with them. But one of these days, a trumpet will sound and I will see him on the cloud with all glory and power. But while I'm waiting for that time, I'm still running the race. While I'm out running this race, because the only begotten, the only one from God who is faithful and full of truth, full of grace. Then I tell you, he was true. How do I know he is true? He keeps his promise. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want to tell your neighbor He is true. He is faithful. He's full of love. When I think about uh, my own sin life, uh, I see how I should have died uh, a long time ago. But I'm so glad uh, that God is faithful, uh, that His light came into this world. Before I knew my name, He knew my name. Before I knew who He was, He called me Sam, turn away from your sins. Calvin, turn away from your sins. And just call on. Just call on the word. You know Mary's baby. <laughs> Jesus, Emmanuel, the word was God. Just call on his name. And you'll say he's true. How true is he that? He said, I'll open up the window and pour you out a blessing. You 
won't have room for. I'll make you more numerous, Abraham, than the stars in the sky. I'll make you march around the walls of Jericho. They'll come tumbling down. You'll be just like David in front of some giants, but you can still swing a true shot and slay your giants. I'm so glad. I'm trying to leave you alone, but I just get excited when I'm just thinking about Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stayed true to their God, and God was so that was true to them. Uh, the king said, who is able to, sit to save you from my hands? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew way back from a time ago that their God was a true God, the only God, and simply said, oh, God. Our God, our God is able to snatch you out of your hands. Our God is able to do above and beyond what we can ask or think. Our God is able to supply your every need. Our God is able, I said able, to present you faultless before his glory. I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so so glad that in spite of me and my feeble body, my God is a because he is true. So when you go back with your family and you're going to open up all your gifts, please, please don't forget that he is true. He is truly truly do your worship. He's truly do your praise. He's truly do your life because he paid the price way back on Calvary. So don't put your trust in other things that you think values how much somebody loves you. But put your trust in the one who you know who loves you. And he gave everything to you. His life that you can have everlasting life. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we come. We come to you, God, just thanking you that you are true to us and you are forever faithful. Forever faithful, you are God of mercy. And Lord, as we look over our lives, we realize, God, there's times in our lives we fall short. There's times in our lives, God, when we have not been obedient. But Lord, you're still merciful towards us. And we thank you for that, God. And, Lord, there might be someone here, Lord, who does not know you, who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray right now that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus did die on the cross for the sins, arose from the grave on the third day, now is exalted and seated in the high heavenly places, Lord. Father, Lord, I pray that they confess and cry out. And, Lord, I thank you that you will come into their heart and you'll be their personal Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And, now, Lord, I ask you to pierce our hearts in such a way that we don't ever forget that we celebrate Christmas not because of trees and carols and gifts, but we celebrate Christmas because the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now we anticipate his coming again. In our Lord's name, Father, we pray. Amen. May we stand as we stand the hand of this opposite. We ask everybody to stand just to make it a little bit easier to get through the pew.